Well, it is good to be in the house of God today. It is good to have a house to go to. Amen. It's good to belong somewhere and to be invited somewhere and have a place to go and a place to be. And that's where we're at today in the house of God. Well, I'm excited to share with you the word of the Lord today. And uh, because some of our other pastors and their spouses and families have been sick, I'm standing before you to encourage you and to to speak life over you. So remember, pastors, uh, Kevin and Sherry and Barry and Tammy and my family, Katrina and I, has a lot of sickness going through the houses, and uh, yet we know that our Redeemer lives and that uh, we know our healer, we know his name, and uh, so we're standing in our healing and our recovery. And I'm so glad to be here today with you. As we continue our series, and we're becoming a house of prayer, that's what this whole season of of life is at Desert Stream, is learning how to become a house of prayer. And what better way to do that than to uh, look at a model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. So that's what we're going to continue in today. And in Mark chapter 11, 17, it says that he taught them, this is Jesus, saying to them, it is not written, my house shall, it is, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nation. Is it not written? That's where we get our desire to be a house of prayer is because Jesus said in the temple, shall not my house be called a house of prayer for all nations, for every tribe, tongue, and nation. But you have made it a den of thieves. So he was correcting the religious people of his day. But we know that the, the intention of the house of God is prayer. And prayer is communication between you and God. It's a simple thing, although it has powerful supernatural effects. So we're learning how to pray according to the teaching and the model of prayer Jesus taught his disciples found in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, why don't you open to Matthew chapter 6 or on your phone or if you got one of these heavy lifting ones you can use for workouts. It's probably a good three-pounder, something like that. Matthew chapter 6. Now, I want to read that to you to review it. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this time. And we pray now that, that your word would come alive. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit and by faith, God, lives would be changed. People would be healed. Uh, life would be set in order and your kingdom would come. Here on earth, a desert stream, according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. So to review, let's look back at the beginning of this uh, prayer model when Pastor Kevin was talking about the first verse. And he took a whole Sunday to talk about our Father. So when we're praying, we're not praying to a foreign deity who's far away. This is not a, a, a religion type practice. We are talking and asking and requesting to a Father, to a dad. 
to a daddy. See how you're getting so personal there? It's almost uncomfortable. The Hebrew people would say, Abba, Father, or Daddy God. I never knew God was a dad like that. I had a father, and I do have a father who's a great father. I called him dad, but I didn't know God in heaven would be my dad. I just thought he would give me Jesus for salvation. I didn't know he, I would also get a father. So when we're talking in our prayers, we talk to our dad, which makes us a son or daughter. So position is important. Words matter. So when you pray, I challenge you to pray, dad, and then say your prayer. In heaven, so we, on our second week, we talked about where the father lives, where our dad resides, where his authority comes from, is from where? From heaven. So we're talking about the most powerful, amazing, glorious person on this entire universe is our dad. And this is where he lives. And he, and he said, we are seated in heavenly places. So now, once you trust Jesus, once you repent of your sins and change your whole life and give your life to God, he seats you in Christ in heavenly places. So our authority and what we talk about and where we pray from, when we look at a situation, we don't look up from the dirt and say, oh God, you know, I just hope I can get through this and that. You can pray that and that's fine. But what if you said, God, I thank you that you're my dad. And that you've reserved a seat for me in heavenly places. And I'm here with you now in the spirit. And I'm in a tough situation. And I ask, Father, since you own everything anyways, could you release this resource into my life today? Because I need to solve some problems. Thank you, Father, so much in Jesus' name. It's different, isn't it? In the last two weeks... Uh, we talked also about hallowed be your name or holy is your name. And why that's so important is Jesus needs to be first place in your life. Say first place. Holy is, means sanctified, which means set apart. So, the, so your heavenly father, your dad, wants to be number one in your life. When you put God as number one, man, prayers tend to line up a little bit faster. Because you're praying what your dad wants. Sanctify him in your hearts, your whole life. And you know when God's first, and you know when he's not. And if you don't, that's okay, because the Holy Spirit will teach you or convict you. So we pray to our dad. We pray from a position of authority in heaven. We put him number one in our life. And then, as we've been learning the last two weeks, we ask the Father to have his kingdom, what? Come. His kingdom come. So whose kingdom is it? His. Where is it coming? Yeah. See the direction. Now who's going to send the kingdom? Are we going to go up there and get it? And, and you know, if I just have good enough behavior, I'll get it down here on earth and I'm just going to work this kingdom down here. No. The kingdom doesn't come by effort. The kingdom comes from a father. See, the father is the king. Jesus is the king. And by his authority, he will release his kingdom where he wills. You can't tell a king what to do. But you can make a request. And if a king says, let it be done, let it be written, can you change his will? Are you the king? 
Are you the king's kid? Yes. So when the king decides something, it's called a royal decree. And when he decides that his kingdom's coming in your life, no one can stop it. You can't even mess it up yourself. He's not going to change his mind based on our behavior. It's his kingdom, not yours. So the good news is, when we say, Abba Father, Daddy God, I need and I ask that you, you would send your kingdom to my life. And the Bible says he will gladly give his kingdom to his children. That's a request. And then the kingdom comes. So that's where we come today. We come to this aspect of the kingdom coming. And then what we're going to do next now that the kingdom's here. This is the next verse. Thy will be done, which means your will be done. And the your is father. So another means it's father. I want your will to be done. That's counterculture in enough, isn't it? Most commercials I see don't say, you know, whatever God wants best, that's what we're going to sell you. That's what we want for your life. It's usually, don't you deserve that? Maybe get a little something for yourself. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it says, your will be done. So let's define the word will. What is our will? What's God's will? W-I-L-L. A person's will is what they choose or what they want or what they desire to be accomplished or done. They might even command it. Might be their decision. So your will is what you want, what you wish for. But we're not praying for our will this time, are we? We're praying for our Father's will. So what does the Father want? What does he desire? What does he teach? What does our Father command you? This is what we're asking. But before we ask, it's important that you know your place. How many know if you ask for the wrong thing at the wrong time, it ain't going to go anywhere? Have you ever been shut down making a request because you were impatient? So let's know our place first. First things first, we're asking our father, our dad, who is God, to send his kingdom to come into our reality. His kingdom, by his power, is coming to your reality, to your life. So our next prayer is, once the kingdom is here, our prayer is, now give us the power, give us the grace, to do your will in your kingdom. See, the kingdom's coming to you. Now the kingdom's here. Now we're asking for power to do his will in his kingdom. See the direction? First, we ask him. He sends the kingdom. Second, we ask for his power, his grace, to live out his will inside of his kingdom. How many know it's kind of tough to, to work his will outside of his kingdom? You know, there's principalities and powers of air and dark forces, and they love to lie and steal and cheat and ruin your life through satanic works. But how many know they're not really invited in the kingdom of God? How many know they have no authority in the kingdom of God? 
How many know it's important to stay in the kingdom of God? Where are you fighting your battles from? Where are you praying your prayers from? Out here in your own strength or from your dad's house where you have every resource available? First things first. We ask Father to send his kingdom and then we ask Father to empower us to walk out his desires inside his kingdom. I don't want to go out of sight of his kingdom anymore. I want to stay in the kingdom because it's not restrictive. The kingdom of God is expanding and he wants to use you to be a part of it. So today, I want to give you four strong uh, walls. Everyone say walls. So as, as a, think of this in construction sense, four walls, four walls that are going to develop a, uh, a house that is strong, that is fortified, has structural integrity, and can stand firm and be tested. I want to build four walls with you this morning that will help you understand what the will of God is to walk out in the kingdom of God. And when we walk out those four walls, it's like God is building us today and strengthening us and maturing us so that we can live out the kingdom when we leave this place. Four walls. And it provides focus. It's simple. And gives us strength and protection. How many of those walls provide protection? Walls are boundaries, right? They get to decide what comes in and what goes out. It's a kingdom. So here's some walls of the kingdom of God. And when you're walking in these things, you know that you're doing the will of God. How many of you like to know, I'm doing the will of God today? You know how many books have been written? You know, what's the will of God? What should I do? What's the will of God? Everyone always asking this question. I want to give you four answers to that question. When you walk those four out, you'll be strengthened. John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the first wall. His word is his will. Write that down. Number one. His word is his will. What is the desire of the Father? His word. His revealed word, we call the Bible, is his will. But what should I do? I don't know what to do. His word is his will. But I'm confused. I have all these. His word is his will. You can come up with a million ideas. But if it doesn't line up with this, it's not his will. It's one of the walls in your life. If you want to walk in a life of divine favor and blessing and wisdom, line your life up with the will of God, which is the word of God. I've seen so many people try to change what this word says. Well, that wasn't really written. And, you know, that, that Greek word doesn't mean that. 
You know, that's, they added that in 1500s. I mean, you've heard every story. And why is it when you hear these stories, it's not so they can be more close and holy to God. It's the opposite. It's so they can be more sinful and free and follow the lusts of their flesh. Because as humans, we crave to do what we want to do first. It's hard for us to submit to a good, loving father and say, okay, your will, not mine. See, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. Wow. So if you take this word, right, Mike? Seek his word. Word gets inside of you. You abide. You hang out. Now he says, okay, son, what do you want? What do I want? Well, yeah. See, your word's in me. We're, we're sharing life together. You go ahead and you tell me your desire this time. Wow. It's the will of God that the word of God is inside of you. You know, most of our problems would be solved if we would just spend more time in this. Because he would tell you what to do. It's in here. Instead, we have to do all kinds of other things because we refuse to open up the Bible. You know, it's beneficial to dedicate daily time to being in his word because he is the living word. Don't make a religion out of it. Don't make it, oh, you know, this is my Christian duty and all these kind of things. Not at all. Spending time with him is like reading letters back and forth in a loving relationship. So before you start reading, saying, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray by your Holy Spirit you would bring alive your word to me and let it abide in me. Let it get inside of me and I inside of you. That's what means when the word is his will. You know, there was a time in my life, I was talking to my wife about this before uh, church today, and I bounced it off and she goes, go ahead, tell the story. It's, it's, uh, it was funny. It's funny now. Uh, but we were early on in university, and I was learning about reading the scriptures more and, and getting on fire for God and his Holy Spirit. And I had a crush uh, on, a, on one of her friends, and, uh, but she was moving on. She was doing some mission work, and I was bummed out. How many have ever had a crush, and it just doesn't work out? And at the time, you're thinking, oh, no, my heart, my emotions, you know, all this stuff. And uh, she was moving on. She said, you know, it's best that we just let the relationship go and die. And I was like, are you crazy? Oh, maybe we could talk, send some letters. You know, you're just hoping. But she was wiser than that. She said, it's, it's, you know, it's over. And I'm walking down the railroad tracks in Langley, B.C. Oh, woe is me, you know. I'm just out for a walk. You know, God, she doesn't even want to talk to me anymore. You know, come what, what kind of relationship is this? I, I said, God, you know, if I don't talk to her, what you're asking me to do, you're asking me to deny myself. And all of a sudden, my heart stopped. The word came alive. And Jesus is like, bingo, 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 bingo. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. All of a sudden, the word is like, oh, wait. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to deny myself. And that verse blew up in my life. And all of a sudden, I was fine. I thought, okay. I'm supposed to deny myself. I'm not supposed to follow every impulse that comes in front of me. That's what the word says. 
And I caught it. The Holy Spirit taught me something in that moment. And the coolest thing is that, of course, that opens the door to our mutual friendship to meet my wife, Katrina, through that friendship. But that was, that was a friendship, but what it opened up doors later for Katrina and I to be married today. That was an example of when the word comes alive. But how many know it's hard for the word to come alive when it's not even in you? There is no substitute for reading, studying, and praying through the Bible. No substitute. And you don't want someone telling you, telling you what to do. You need to read your Bible more. You need to do it. So why don't you do it? You know, I don't want to tell my wife, oh, do this, do that. No one likes to be told what to do. People like to choose what to do. So I'm asking you, please, make a choice to invest time in the living word of God. His word is his will. Number two, his way is his will. So number one, it's his, it's his word. But secondly, it's his way. We all have a way about us. If you want to know the will of God, then there's no better way to copy the way that Jesus lived. Jesus is the perfect example of the heart of the Father expressed on earth. We need to become experts in the life and way of Jesus Christ. You need to become an expert of the life and way of Jesus Christ. He is the centerpiece of all of our faith. The Father honored him. And if we don't honor Jesus, we're dishonoring the Father. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we deny Jesus, we won't be in the will of the Father. It's that simple. Keep Jesus at the center of your walk with God. The first four books of the Bible are just full of personal stories of who Jesus is. Reread those, pray those, study those, and you will begin to become like him. The way of Jesus. It's a lifestyle. And here's some of the things that Jesus had in his life. There's so many, we can't recount them all. But here's some important ones. In John chapter 1, it says, verse 17 and 18, For the law was given through Moses... But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when you want to walk a grace life and a truth life, do the Jesus way. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So if you really want to see God, look at Jesus. If you really want to know what the Father's like, study Jesus and look at him. Jesus was on the road of grace. And this is something we teach in our church. And Wayne uh, taught it to us, Wayne Levy taught it to us, is there's a road in life, and it's right down the middle. There's only one way to stay on the straight and narrow, and it's Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How many know there's ditches on the side of the road? Have you ever been in one? How many know there's twice as many ditches as there are roads, if you multiply it, right? 
There's a narrow way by faith in Jesus Christ, God's son, and there's ditches. There's two options for you to fall into. One on, one on this side is lawlessness. That means you do whatever you want, whenever you want, and you don't worry about the effects. You are the center of your own universe and you're doing what you want. The other side is a different L word called legalism. And that's what you do to perform in order to get the good graces and love of God by trying to do good religious behavior over here. Both of them are not true. There's only one pathway, and it's the pathway of faith in Jesus Christ. You can't do it in your own strength. How many have just said, I'll just try harder next time? God, if you forgive me one more time, I'll try harder. That's the legalism side. Does that work? Didn't work for me. <laughs> what about this side? Lawlessness. I'll, uh, who cares? I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to just have a great time and do what I want to do. How, how many feel that that's a fulfilling lifestyle over here where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. Best life ever for like a day. I mean, you watch stuff on TV and you hear people talk and you go, really? That's it? You're satisfied with that low of a level of a life? Because they have never walked with Jesus in the, in the center road. See, on the lawless side, it's lawlessness side, I mean, I will do whatever I want and I'm going to take whatever I can get from my father, but I'm going to spend it on my own stuff. Remember the, the, the parable of the prodigal son? And the younger son was over here on the lawless side. And he just said, I'm going to get all my dad's stuff and I'm going to use it how I want to use it. I'm not going to check in with my dad. I'm just going to use my inheritance for what I want. And it lasted fun for a little while until he ended in the pig pen in the mud of life down next to death. Crushed in spirit, no friends, no family, no support, no resources. You're broke. Poverty takes over. And then the older son will say, you know what? I want my dad's stuff too. So if I do everything right, if I perform good enough for my dad, then I'll get all of his stuff. You know, both sons wanted dad's stuff. Both sons didn't really have the father's heart. They had his stuff. But when we're walking in the will of God, we're not concerned about the stuff. We're concerned about the heart. How is my heart, Dad? How is your heart, Father? You pray things like this. Father, what's on your heart today? And you wait in silence, and God will begin to reveal what's on his heart. And then you walk that out. And how many know God will always resource whatever he shows you to do? You still will get the stuff, but the heart goes first, because God never lacks. And here's one of the most important things in the way of the will of God. And it's something that really changed my life, and it's found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And I want to share this again because it was a life-changing moment for me. It was the moment when I realized that the way of God and the way of Jesus is based 
on the unconditional love of the Father. Because I had tried so hard to earn my Father's love. Not my natural Father, but, my, but God. Have you ever tried to earn your way with God? I mean, we, we hear the message salvation by faith, so we get saved, we're going to heaven, but then do you pick up like uh, some exercise equipment and say, now nah, I'm really going to work for God and I'm going to keep in his good books and do something good for him. That was my gospel, which was incorrect. And so one day I encountered God and it was in a prayer meeting on a reading break during university and I, my life was had sin and shame and lust and, and, and uh, remorse and guilt and, in my life. And I, I, I tried harder, but I just couldn't find freedom. And I, at the prayer meeting I was at, got invited to, and people started confessing their sins, which is biblical. And I thought, yes, God, I confess my sins too. And I was, had my head down like this on the desk, and I was confessing. There was about 10 or 15 of us in a library room like a private room on the weekend where praying and I confessed under my breath because I had done all those sins. I was like, no big deal. Yep, yep, yes. Done that, done that, done that, done that. And I was, I was like, I was in a good room because I was amongst people who walked through what I walked through. And then I just felt hands come down upon me like this. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And these, these, these two people started just praying for me. I'm like, oh, I didn't know they were praying for me. And they started, what I would know now is prophesying over my life. And I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, they started praying all these things that I'd never told anyone before. I'm like, how did they know? I knew in my heart of hearts, the, God knows, Jesus knows, the Holy Spirit, but how did they get it? I didn't know how prophecy worked or words and all. So they just start prophesying over my life and the heavens opened up over top of me. I'd never been in any room like this before. And I looked up in, in spiritual sense, and the holiness and perfection and the fear of God the Father fell upon me. And I was afraid. Because he was so perfect, so holy. I was like, I'm toast. Remember how I just confessed all my sin? So I thought, this is it. That's it. I'm done. I didn't know he was that holy because he was so perfect. I mean, it was just like bright, shining light. And I'm like, no. And fear started coming up on me. And then at that same moment, boom, like this flood of liquid, unconditional love just crashed down right upon my soul, my feelings, my emotions. And I just broke weeping, crying out for God. I said, God, if that's you, if that's your love, then I will follow you for the rest of my life. And it was just like someone dumped a bucket of love over my head. And I was done. I had snotted out and cried out and freed out. And those chains were ripped off of me in that moment. That was a baptism. And it was love. I didn't know you could be baptized in love. You know, Jesus had the same baptism once. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And suddenly, see, he had just been baptized by John, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was baptized with affection and love publicly, a voice from heaven. Heard, everyone who was around that baptism heard that day that his daddy loved him, that he was pleased with him, that he was a special son. And God did that for me one day. And anyone who knows me from that day on, my life changed. 
I was radically changed on that day in that moment. I have never been the same since that love showed up. So if you want to walk in the will of God, if you want to pray the will of God, the way of God is to be baptized in his love. Do you know that he wants to speak the same thing over you? He wants to call you his beloved son, beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Not because of what we do, but because of whose we are. Not because of your performance, but because of Jesus Christ's performance. You have free access to an unconditional, accepted, blessed life from a father to you. Your role is to submit under it. See how Jesus humbled himself and let John baptize him? That's what we need to do. We need to say, Father, I'm ready. I don't deserve it, but I humble myself and I receive your baptism of love, affection, adoption as a son or daughter of God today. I receive it with all benefits by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now try praying that in the morning every day. Not because you're re-earning it, because you're positioning yourself for the will of God. It's alignment. You want to go out those doors every day saying, I am a beloved son today. I'm feeling good today. My dad loves me today. I've got everything I have. You know, you get your wallet out and say, it's full today because my dad's paying the bills today. You want to leave your house clothed, put on the jacket of love and an affirmation. And just say, oh man, I'm feeling good today. I'm going to go out and give it away. Don't leave your house until you've been clothed with the love of God. This is the way of Jesus. It's a lot easier to be moved with compassion if you're full of love. If you got nothing in the tank, it's pretty hard. It's easy to sacrifice for people when you're filled up because you know your river will never stop flowing. The third wall, so the first one is his word, the second one is his way, the third one is his holiness. If you want to be in the will of God, we are to walk in holiness. We are to be holy as he is holy. There's no way around it. You can't find anywhere in the Bible that says you don't have to be holy. Don't worry about it. You can be do whatever you want. Does it say that? Did Jesus ever preach that? No. John chapter 5, 19 and 30 says this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. I can do nothing of myself. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So if you want to walk in the will of God, if you want to pray in the will of God, you have to say, God, I want to see how you see. I want to hear what you hear. I want to do what you're doing, and I want to feel what you're feeling. That is called holiness, or being holy, or being set apart, or being sanctified. It's not about just your moral performance, or doing a list of moral activities. It's being in right alignment with God. It's doing what God's doing. 
It's saying what God's saying. It's speaking what you hear the Father speaking. That's, remember, His will be done. We can all speak whatever we want. Sure, that's easy. But will you be courageous enough to speak what God's speaking? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, which means to be set apart, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who did not know God, that no one should take advantage or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. So this is an example of a passage where Paul is talking in the Thessalonican area, in the church. He was being very specific on an area of sexuality, of cleanliness and holiness. But that's just one area of life. So we can't expect to pray and know the will of God if we just do whatever we want and say, you know what, it's fine. God will forgive me. That's not the gospel. God already did forgive you so that now you can live free, not to the flesh, not to sin, but be free to obey, free to love, free to serve, free to give your life away, free to bless others. And what we're talking about here is faith over feelings. Trusting Jesus more than our emotions or the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes. You ever just want something? I mean, let's be honest. It's like, I want this. Uh, let's use cars for an example. It's so easy. I want it. Well, that's fine. We've got a 19-year plan for you to get into that vehicle. No problem. A low interest rate of 25%. 25 years, okay. So it's like buying a house, you know, that you can't live in and it depreciates. You know, that's just a, a natural example, but we want things. And God wants things for you too. But will you let, will you be patient enough for him to provide it? Will we use our faith or will we go by feelings? Faith aligns with Jesus and the word of God. Feelings aligns with how you're doing that day. One is a lot better than the other. I'm not against feelings, but feelings should not be steering your ship every day. The word of God steers the ship. Feelings are like the, the waves that come and go and you acknowledge them. You can celebrate them. You can cry over them. That's okay. You can talk to your friends about them. But don't make decisions by your feelings. Make decisions by faith in the word of God, trusting Jesus Christ. And then your feelings, they'll come and go. They'll get behind you. Model this to the younger people in your life. Tell them stories when you wanted to do something, but you knew what was right, and you did the right thing, and how God honored you to do the right thing. The fourth wall, so we have the way of his will, by his word, by the way we walk, like Jesus. We do it as well 
by being sanctified and living holy lives. That's the third wall. And the one that brings it all together. The wall that brings us all together is an attitude of thanksgiving. This is very specific. Doing life thankfully is the will of God. Praying with thanksgiving is the will of God. Psalm 104 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. How are we to enter into our prayer life? With thanksgiving. We know that the kingdom of God, the hinges of the kingdom of God swing on thanksgiving. If you want new doors opened in the kingdom of God, start with thanksgiving. Thank him for what you already have, not what you don't have yet. Thank him for the opportunities to grow. How many of you have been through conflict and challenges in the past seven days? A lot of, I know, I've talked to several of you personally. These are all, the Bible says, opportunities of joy because God is developing your character. Yay! Oh, celebration, you know. No, no one calls me and says, I'm just celebrating, Pastor, because I had so much problems and conflict in my life. I'm so happy. I'm just, you know, I just called to celebrate with you. I'd be like, wow, this person is the most mature person who's ever called me. Because that's how we can do it. We think, oh, no, I'm in the val I'm down in the dumps. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. That's not what the Bible says. See, when you align yourself with the Word... With the will and the way of Jesus, you can start saying, oh, man, this is the most difficult, challenging week I've had. I thank God that he trusted me so much to develop this area of my life for me to become a champion in my weakness, for me to become more than a conqueror, to become a victor in this area in my life. And my victory will lead other people to victory. Thank you, God, for trusting me to get through this. You can still acknowledge your feelings and the challenge. But you should also acknowledge the truth with it. Do both. And make sure this one wins. This one is the last statement. First Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What is the will of God? To be thankful. Wow. Why was he so simple? Why do we make it so complex? How many know it's hard to be in the will of God when you're complaining? Next time you find yourself complaining, and just, it's hard to be in the will of God when you're complaining. It might mean you're activating or walking in the wrong kingdom. Because in dad's kingdom, provision, love, acceptance, affection, resources. This is dad's house. If you're fighting your own fight and you're hanging out outside the gate trying to do your own way, go for it. It's a lot better living from the kingdom of God. We don't have to fight to get in. We just keep our faith and stay in. And from that position, we go out. So let us 
Trust God that he's going to build his kingdom walls around us. He is edifying you. He's building you up. He's strengthening you, each one of you, so that you personally are a resource of the kingdom of God everywhere you go this week. You are his agent, his ambassador, his kingdom representative on earth. That's what we're praying. His kingdom walls are getting strengthened and more powerful. And that gives you access to what God wants you to have to do what you, uh, God wants you to do. That's why in family, if I was to go to my parents and ask them for something, I would have great access to everything through relationship, through family. And what God's doing in this room is he's building us closer and closer so we can have access, we can have family, we have, we have connection and when we need things and we need to accomplish things in the kingdom, we know we have our brothers and sisters and we say, yes, let's do it. Let's do it together. You go for it, I'll support you. I'll pray, I'll give, I'll go. You can count on me. It's called family. And it's building up from the ground up. He's a, he's a wise builder. The foundation is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. And we're getting built up in our spirit because we are learning that the will of God is the word of God. And so we're spending more time in it. We know that the way of Jesus is the will of God. So we pray like Jesus prayed. We pray how Jesus talked. We know that his way is holy. So we surrender our life. And anything that's out of order, we say, Jesus, would you put it in order? Would you make, can you be first place in my life in this area? I mean, for me, it would be easier, uh, I don't know for you parents, but for me, it's easier to get angry at home than it is outside of the house. I tend to lose my temper quicker at home than in public. I tend to lose my temper quicker with my children than with my wife. So I have to bring that to Jesus and say, something's off in me. Sure, I should train and teach my children how to behave and, and grow up, but I'm responsible for Mark. And I need the righteousness and the goodness and the holy way of Jesus in me to deal with my parenting, my anger, my relationships. Help me, God, to put it in order. And then he starts steering the ship and he gets the house in order. That's just a practical example. But you all have areas that you can invite the holiness of God into your life. And lastly... We build the house of God with thanksgiving. We choose to be thankful. Not to flatter, not to make stories up, no. But to be thankful about all the real, true, good things God has done in our life. And when we can't find one good thing, we can be thankful for the character of God, can't we? We can be thankful, if we can't remember what the character of God is, we will start recounting the promises of God and be thankful for those. And that's when we start praying so on target, so on the will, that God can't help but send answers to, to earth, which is next week, on earth as it is in heaven. So first we call upon God to send his kingdom. So this week, I hope in your prayer closet, in your secret place, you're saying, Father, thank you for sending your kingdom, resources, government, principles, laws, and goodness all around my life, in every area of my life, every relationship, every circle of influence, your kingdom come down. I can't make it come down, but I'll be a, a good receiver and let it just abide in my spirit 
Number two, I am now asking you to give me the power to do your will in your kingdom, at work, at home, in my relationships, with my finances, in my words. I want to be an agent of doing God's will on earth with the power of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are the master builder. You are the creator of the universe. And you've created this church. And you've called these people. And you've called us together to be a living house. You've called us together to create in us a holy expression of God on earth. To show people the kingdom of God. Thank you for giving us power from the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now for grace and power of Holy Spirit to come to each individual, each person who is hungry and thirsting. They would encounter the living God of power this week. Power to do the right thing. Power to say yes to Jesus Christ. Power to serve. Power to give. Power to love with an unconditional heart. In every home, in every soul, And Lord, we thank you for those watching with us online. And we pray, God, that your power would be with them as well and that your will and your way and your word and your holiness and your thanksgiving would flow into their spirit by the Holy Spirit. We commit this to you. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. Thank you for making us mature disciples in Jesus Christ. And we give you this week, God. We look forward to this week in the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord and thank you so much. God bless you this week in the kingdom of God. And hopefully you can join us next Saturday at 6 o'clock as we enter into another special prayer service here at the church from 6 to 7. Have a great week.